Hello, I'm Regina Botras and welcome backstage where we talk with theatre makers from actors, directors, writers, theatre heads and beyond about their life in the theatre and how they got to be where they are now. And my guest backstage is Shane Placentino. He is the assistant director and choreographer for Opera Australia's AIDA which is playing from June the 22nd until August the 13th. He joined the Australian Ballet in 1991. He's danced the entire classical and contemporary repertoire. He's worked with Graham Murphy and Janet Vernon. He joined Sydney Dance Company in 2002 and he's here to talk about Aida, the opera, but also about his life on the stage and off the stage. Welcome to Stages, Shane. Thanks, Regina. Nice to be here. Thanks for coming on. So I know you're originally from Adelaide. Did you do dance classes? Were you that one boy in the dance room with all the girls uh, as a child? I was, much to the lovely girls' chagrin. I was always centre front and, yeah, trying my best to remember the choreography. <laughs> so was it all forms? Was it ballet? Was it everything? Or what? Did, where did you start? Yes. Well, I actually started with a little bit of tap dancing and uh, some jazz and uh, obviously ballet. Uh, I sort of did all of them uh, right up until I joined the ballet school. So were your parents creative or were you just driven? No, they uh, have nothing to do with the arts at all. Very working class family in Adelaide. Um, My brother actually started before me. We knew these girls that lived across the road. They had a little ballet bar in in their garage and my brother and I would go over and innocently play along, you know, do whatever. And uh, so my brother decided to join, you know, do what they were doing, which was dance. And I would go along after footy game and watch him. And the dance teacher saw that I was, you know, doing the steps underneath the table or whatever, watching him. And she said, why don't you get up and do it? And because he's my younger brother, I, I decided, well, if he can do it, I can do it. So I got up and, and started doing it. And that's sort of how I began. And my brother ended up giving up and playing football. And I ended up giving up football and playing dance, I guess. <laughs> there you go. There, there is a bit of a relationship between football and dance um, in the recent kind of, I don't know, a couple of decades probably now, but they often bring in dancers into the football stadium to, to help players. Well, I think in the dance world, especially in the ballet world and contemporary dance these days, we're learning a lot uh, from the medical side of things. Well, we used to learn a lot, a great deal amount from the sports uh, industry and, and medically how we can treat the dancers. I would say now it's even uh, everyone's learning from each other as far as sports medicine is concerned. The dance industry is is right up there with any football code and it's really wonderful the sharing of knowledge there. That's the, that's the interesting part about dance is that it's, you know, it's an art form but it's, a, you know, it's, it's the most physical art form I think. So there's a, a huge parallels between opera, the theatre and dance, as well as the sports and the dance industry. Yeah. So you, I can't help but think because what generally you think of female dancers in their life on the stage finishes early because of their bodies. But the, the, can you give me the male perspective on what that is like? Because they're kind of, I don't know, made stronger or something, more resilient. Is, is, that, an, is that a stereotype? <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it so depends on the individual. Um, 
the male or female, the, the length of the career can be, you know, lucky to be able to dance professionally for seven to eight years or like I did, it was around about nearly 17 years and I'm so thankful that my body held up until the end. But, you know, there's different, I would say there's different ways of, I mean, injury is, is the the last thing any dancer wants because it can be, as, as, as a sports person as well, it can be the end of your career or you can learn a lot from it and gain some knowledge and strength and, and continue on, which is uh, most of my friends have done that, and including myself. So I wouldn't, there's different types of injuries, like, you know, point work for, for the, for the ladies is horrendously horrible. Mm. I tried it once and I'll never do it again, <laughs> but for men, we uh, tend to lift the girls up above our heads and hold them there for quite a lot of, for, for quite a long time. And for me, what happened was my lower back eventually sort of gave way um, because of those things and probably a few others age as well so yes it's a it's a young person's art form that's for sure mm. so let's have a chat about ada now this is a revival uh, version which i'm not sure exactly what year that was on and why take something and revive it rather than you know sort of start again from your perspective and what you've observed as um, a director and choreographer yeah, I think uh, it was 2018 that this production was first done, and it was also the first time we uh, used the large uh, LED screens. So we have 10 LED screens. They're about 15 metres high by about one and a half metres wide, five on either side, and these screens can move. They can track in and out of the stage and they can revolve as well. So uh, it was the first time we'd used those LED screens. And so there's a, it's, it's quite a spectacle when you first see them and, and the content that's on them. Um, so to answer your question, to revive it, well, we've got a, a second chance to really hone and enhance what we may not have had time, which is always the case, never have enough mm -hmm. time. Uh, for the first time round, and so uh, I, my job really was to enhance and improve as much as I could within the limitations that I had, the production. And I sort of felt like that's what we've done recently in Melbourne, and we're going, we're doing again. It's it's never, it's never a static end or a, uh, to the piece. It's always sort of evolving. We have different chorus members coming in and out. We have different casts, and everyone has their opinion and their expertise on on their their part to play and my job really is to bring all of that together and produce the best part of all of that. So tell me what the kind of backstory is. It's a Verdi opera and it's a basically a love story set in Egypt, but that's about it. <laughs> like I have my knowledge of it. So to fill me in on um the kind of yeah, the world that we're in. And then how that's being played on these massive LED screens, how exciting. It's quite a spectacle. And Aida always has been. It's uh, Traditionally, it's known for its big triumphal march, which I believe you've got some audio or you have played yes. some audio of that. And it's that part is usually when in traditional versions we have a, a, a parade of soldiers who are coming back from war and elephants and camels and all sorts of... Uh, all sorts of large animals and small animals parading across the stage. So I think uh, in this particular version, uh, Davide has 
the screens are the elephants. They're the camels. They're the spectacle. That's the that's the amazing part of the of this production, uh, along with magnificent singing, might I add. So the story is basically a love triangle, and it's set in Egypt along the Nile. Uh, and the love triangle involves Aida, the main character. She is a slave uh, in Egypt because, but she's also the princess to the Ethiop to Ethiopia. So there's a conflict. You know, it's quite an interesting character already mm. there. She's beholden to and is slave to enslaved to Amneris, who is the princess of Egypt. And then there's Radames, who is the general of the Egyptian army. Now, Aida and Radames are in love, and Amneris is in love with Radames. So there's this amazing love triangle that's sort of in secrecy, and everyone's very paranoid about their own who's in love with whom. And also there's uh, – it's all set in this massive grand scale – of the Egyptian courts and and the Egyptian royalty. Um, and there's a war also, I should say, between Ethiopia and Egypt. Um, so this, this love triangle, is, it's very difficult to stage because it's always set in this large capacity. Mm. So you're trying to get these nuances of looks across the stage and who's seeing what and how are they seeing it and trying to project their story when it can easily get swamped by the largeness of of the whole spectacle. But that's the challenge for us, I think. Tell me then a couple of things. Firstly, where would it have originally, like in the past, how would they have treated that like way back when it was written first? What kind of space would this have been played or performed in? Well, it's funny you should ask because it was actually – the uh, oh, I've forgotten now, but it, it actually opened in Egypt, and I, and I believe it was an outdoor event. So the, the first staging of it was massive, and that's why Verdi he's got so many singers on stage at once. It, it needs the 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 massive sound of the choir and big voices, um, and so originally I imagine uh, that it had actual camels and elephants and everything oh. passing the audience by uh, amongst this tender, uh, nuanced love scene. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it was all, traditionally always uh, done in this way. That's fantastic. What a time that would have been to see, thing that would have been to see. So how how is the content now on, on screen, on these screens? Like how is it created, like? And what do we see? Yeah, it's it's quite fascinating. It's the ten screens. They have a LED side, and then you rotate them, and they have basically uh, hieroglyphics on the other side. But when they are on the LED side of the stage, the the scenery is set in a three D environment. So if you can wow. imagine, if you're programming a video game, you get this sense of depth so when for instance in act three it's it's a um it's a landscape of the nile at night with this massive moon in the background and no matter where the screens move you're still immersed in the nile at night with this soft breeze coming through you can it's like you're sitting right in the middle of it it's, it's just 
magnificent. And then these beautiful voices come from behind the stage. That's how the Act 3 starts with the chorus. And Aeneas and the high priest go off to pray, and it looks like they go off onto the water and continue into the darkness. It's just magnificent. And in the Triumphal March, there's um, uh, there's this mag- uh, amazing scene where uh, Davide's filmed a man on a horse riding towards the audience and the screens close uh, closer to the audience as he rides closer, you know, w- towards mm-hmm. us. And it's it, it just looks phenomenal. And it's hard, it's very difficult to describe, but it uh, it really does look fascinating i mean it's it's the best screens i've ever seen and uh, you know you can't mimic that on netflix at all (laughs) wow it's one that you have to be there i um hope melbourne enjoyed it while it was there (laughs) before they've gone through their recent lockdown tell me how you work with because i think of opera as well as big costumes and how do you kind of choreograph that world Dancers are, are pretty phenomenal creatures. We tend to we tend to do the choreography and get fitted for the costume, and then when you get the costume, you you just deal with any sort of problem that you might have. Uh, luckily, because I've got ten female dancers in this production, and they are all phenomenal. They, uh, but they, it's not the sort of production that has maybe. Um, a Victorian costume. It's very pared down and simple type of uh, Egyptian cloth. And in actual fact, the dancers wear very little. Uh, it's, um, it's, it really shows off their bodies in the best possible light. So, yeah, and choreographically, uh, the dancers play crucial roles throughout this production, uh, mostly in the first half, and they – uh, I made a joke with them. I said that they're the, like the the Secret Service. They're, they're actually the the ones that win the war for the Egyptians, and they are they just fierce. They just do anything, and they recreate the. It's like watching the war on replay. So they sort of recreate it choreographically during uh, mm. yeah during the triumphal march. Yeah, it's it's quite, and they they interact with the screens as well. It's it's really quite phenomenal. Are they kind of like uh? the chorus in kind of Greek theatre style. Yeah, very similar to that. Um, I would say, yes, but they're mute, which is... Yes, <laughs> physically chorus. That's right, yeah, yeah. And it, it really, I mean, I love dance, obviously, and I, but what is amazing about opera is that when you include, you know, it, every, nearly every art form in the one production it's it's just enhances everyone else you know it, it lifts the singers uh the the orchestra lifted by the singers the singers uh, you know uh lifted by the production and the screens when it all comes together it's this i'm i'm absolutely transformed and i'm i'm somewhere else i'm not me and i'm i'm absolutely enjoying the whole immersive uh aspect do you miss being the the on the other side though can't help but ask. Uh, not, not with the way my back is at the moment. No, <laughs> <laughs> I have a well, slight the... back problem, but so I don't miss the pain. I, I mean, every now and then I think, oh well, wouldn't it be nice to um, just to concentrate on one role? You know, as a director, we have to we've got our many hats and we have to know 
nearly everything and it'd be nice just to play one sort of role but apart from that no I don't particularly miss it it's it's hard work and I I'm in such admiration for these singers they've got these these voices that are vulnerable yet so powerful and uh, I forever grateful for what they do. I think it's just a phenomenal art form that I've fallen in love with over the years. So you've had to hang up your dance shoes too, predominantly. Do you get to perform at all? And and then, you know, what's it like? Like what is the life of a, a dancer once they have to, yeah, step onto the other side of the stage for you? Somebody said to me that dancers die twice. You, oh. you die when you can't dance anymore and then you actually die. So it's a, it's quite a mourning process that took me a while to get over. But luckily I fell into um, directing. Graham Murphy was my first opera, believe it or not, was Aida. And he, <sighs> was, um, he was directing it and he asked me to uh, be his assistant. So I, um, I I did that and I learnt, you know, it was a baptism by fire. And, and since then I've been in and out of uh, different productions, but uh, much more in the last three years, three or four years, I've been very, very much involved and grateful that I've had so much work with Opera Australia and around the country. So, um, yeah, I didn't have a lot of time to think about mourning the, the – the dancing aspect, performing-wise, you know, it's always you miss that, obviously, that that thrill of an audience applauding you at the end of anything is is quite amazing. But, you know, Colin Peasley, he was a, um, the ballet master at the Australian Ballet when I was there many years ago, and he said there's an element of performing when you're taking a rehearsal. You, I try – I'm not uh, um, the most uh, – what's the word? My, my knowledge of opera is not great because I spent a lot of time, you know, learning dance, mm. but I try and inspire the singers, the, the actors, the dancers with enthusiasm. And so I come into the rehearsal room and I, you know, I might make mistakes. I might not know this. I might not know that, but I just am in, so enthusiastic. And that's my little performance for the day. <laughs> I go home exhausted, but that's where I think I get my fix from performing. I always wonder when I watch dance and I grew up, you know, in those classes with the one young male dancer, do you, it seems like they're often, well, at least in ballet predominantly, the holder up of the woman on on the shoulder, like you say. Is there some kind of like, I don't know, what is your perspective on that? Do you feel like the women get all the kind of, you know, glory and the men have to be the... the- Thing that you know that they're standing on i was so lucky in the australian ballet when i joined that we had partnering so the the, the art form of or the art of partnering is so difficult but it is not one person or the other male or female that is more important the girls cannot be held in the air by themselves and the men cannot look and cannot hold something that's not there. So it's a it's a two-way, equal two-way street, uh, and uh, the better partners that I've had have always had respect for me and I've had respect for them, and, we, and the rapport grows the more you work with someone. And I believe it's the same for singers as well and for instrumentalists and actors. It's no one is better or worse than the other. We, you just have to work together and the love of the art form, no matter what it is, if you can tell the story or get a message across 
in the best possible light between the two of you. That's just wonderful. That's the most beautiful thing I, I think can happen. Um, yeah, but in saying that, it's bloody hard work too. <laughs> really take my hat off doing, you know, I've had to partner girls on point and it's not easy for either of us. Um, and I, they have always had an amazing amount of respect for me for lifting them above their head and trusting me. I, you know, it's, it's really a trust thing as well. Indeed. Well, Shane Placentino, thank you so much for joining me. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. It's been great. I've been talking a lot about myself. I hope that hasn't been too boring. So interesting and fascinating. And it looks like one opera not to miss. Yes, definitely. Uh, we open in about three weeks, yeah. Well, that was Shane Placentino, uh, the assistant director and choreographer of Upper Australia's AEDA, which is playing from the 22nd of June.